Open your Bibles with me to a chapter I hope that many of you read this week already, and maybe read it last evening if you hadn't, and that's Genesis 3, the third chapter of Genesis. I have a verse-by-verse -verse listing of all the things that happened according to this chapter, and I believe for the sake of time, and I hope in my prudence, I'm going to approach it a little differently. I want to read it to you, give you my introduction, and then appeal to a table of about 70 aspects of the catastrophe that struck our race and affects our lives because of the sin in Genesis chapter 3. Instead of going through it verse by verse, where I am more tempted to take longer. So let me read to you Genesis chapter 3. It never hurts to hear the word of God. Amen. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. 
Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden, to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Amen and amen. It is the first Sunday of the year. Many of you have read the first chapters of Genesis this past week because you follow a chronological path through the Bible from the first book to the last book during the course of the year. Genesis 3 is one chapter of true world history that is unavailable from any other source. Thank God for it. I just read you details of real events that really affect your life. They create dysfunction in every part of your life. Your relationship with God, your relationship with others, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with yourself. You're messed up, you're guilty, you're slanderous against God, you make him out to be something he isn't. It's terrible what's in Genesis chapter 3. Don't just read these 24 verses as some intellectual exercise. There is horror in these 24 verses. It's ruined our race. It's damned 50 to 80 billion people to eternity in hell without a savior. This is the catastrophe of Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 1 is the true origin of species. It details the creator and the creation of the universe and man. Didn't you love reading it? I've read it so many times, and I enjoyed reading it this year more than any year. My dad's, my dad's writing me. He's 88. He's read it many, many times. But, he, but he's writing me seeing new nuances in the chapter. You'll never plumb the Word of God and know everything that's there. It is a spiritual book written by an infinite author, and we are little finite creatures, and every time we read it and humbly submit to it, there are things to learn 
and excite our minds and lift up our hearts. Genesis 1 is the true origin of species. Genesis 2 is the geography of human origin, the rules of the Creator, and where the relationship of marriage came from. It's all fabulous. What a God. And what a book that tells us things that if they don't believe the Bible, they don't have a clue about them. We know where the Garden of Eden was. All you've got to do is look at a map and look for the river Euphrates. It's not hard to find. It's in Mesopotamia. They know that it should be called the cradle of civilization. They just don't know why. We know why. Genesis chapter 3 describes in graphic horror catastrophic corruption and condemnation of our race. Graphic horror of catastrophic corruption and condemnation of our race. Genesis chapter 4 presents two family trees with different religions, murder of siblings, polygamy invented, profanity in their thinking, and natural gifts by pagans as well as the righteous. Genesis 5 presents the first genealogy with death, the predominant feature of every man's existence. And he died. And he died. And he died. And he died. And you will die. And I will die. And they died. And they died. Because of chapter 3. Genesis 6 presents the wickedness on earth, including the sons of God, for marrying the daughters of men and God's judgment of this world. The, the flood occurred in the year 1,656 years after creation. Here's what God had to say about this world in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. God saw that the wickedness of the man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And so there's today's... Genesis 6, or today's January 6th, however you want to look at it. That's my introduction, or that's part of it. I have very limited time, for good reason, for trying to be a wise pastor. And I have a very specific goal, and that's the context of God's great prophecy of our salvation. Now, there's a hidden verse, and it's not very hidden, in the middle of Genesis chapter 3. But we want to get the context around that verse so that we can appreciate the verse. The verse is transcendently wonderful. And the Lord's Supper is to celebrate what was accomplished by the seed of that woman. The devil has feared women for 6,000 years because one of them was going to call her midwife and say, I'm in labor. And the labor was going to be the son that was going to destroy that devil. Right. Don't worry, brother. It's right here. I went nuts last night. 
You're a genius for the Lord when you wrote that. What endless wisdom. We'll sing it in a little while. For those of you in radio land, I hope you can understand that I don't follow a liturgy. I have limited time and a specific goal, so my ordinary obsession with details is sacrificed here just to give you a big table of problems that we have because of Genesis chapter 3. And you are affected. Do you know what's clutching at you right now? It's clutching at you and destroying you because there's planned obsolescence and death inside your body because of Genesis 3. And it's not going to let us go, but someone else has saved us from it. So that we can mock death and the grave and call it sleeping in Jesus because of Genesis 3.15. This study could be many times larger in size if I were to do it like most chapters, but we don't want that. I want you to see two C words, catastrophe and cure. And in the catastrophe is corruption of everything. Nothing works like it's supposed to. Corruption of relationships, corruption of life, corruption of the means of production, corruption of making a living, living, corruption of having a baby, corruption of the animal world. There were no carnivores in Genesis 2. They were all herbivores. Why did animals start eating each other? Why was the world filled with violence? Why did Cain eat Abel? I mean kill Abel. Because there was violence in the earth because of chapter 3. It's horrible. There's This is true world history right here. Genesis 3. This tells us exactly what happened. And it was terrible. This chapter will prepare us well to sit together at the Lord's table to celebrate the seed of the woman. Genesis 3 explains all the dysfunction and death in nature, relationships, religion, your heart, your thought processes, and your body. Here we go. Ignore the verse by verse, Jonathan, just ignore it. And jump to my summary of terrible conditions in the world before God. This is, I have to do this. If I, get, if I start down the verses and try to pull all the nuances out of the verses, there's about four per verse on average. Here we go. Catastrophe. This is so precious. This isn't reading about the discovery of Bolivia. Who cares? I don't care if there's a Bolivia or not. You say, I get coffee from Bolivia, then I care. This should move you. When you read the Word of God, don't read it to check off a box. We have boxes. The box is just for you to keep track of what you have or have not read. But when you read the Word of God, slow down and think about it. And see, I've, I've tried to boil it down for you. There's a catastrophe and there's a cure. What do I mean by catastrophe? This little table. Let's see. 76. That'll take me a little while. This chapter shows the catastrophe of our world, our race, our lives, our relationships, upward, horizontal, with others, our thought processes and everything, in these 76 ways. A subtle, powerful enemy, greater than us, is introduced who wants to destroy us. I got 76 of these things to say. That there was an instant death of the human spirit in Genesis chapter 3, 
in verse 7. Instant death of the human spirit and its ability to walk with God and love God. The free will of man was lost in Genesis 3-7. There is planned decay in your body until death because you are under the condemnation of three deaths. Adam died instantly in his spirit so that he no longer had a relationship with God. 930 years later, he died physically, and then he's going to die the second death in the lake of fire unless he's saved. There's no evidence that he was saved, and I don't know why people want to put Adam in heaven because there isn't any evidence to put him in heaven. He is the representative of the wicked. Those coats of skin mean nothing more than the ceremonial sacrifices of Israel that kept the Israelites alive for another 365 days. Those animal sacrifices of Israel did not put anybody into heaven, and neither did the animal sacrifice of Genesis chapter 3. Enough on that. Three deaths. There's planned decay in your body until your body dies. There's final death in the lake of fire. So I have mentioned three deaths as numbers 2, 3, and 4 of the 76 things that happened in Genesis chapter 3. This history, how slowly do you read it? When you look at Genesis 3, now the serpent. As soon as you read those three words, what is the serpent? How strong is he? How wise is he? How subtle is he? What are his motives? What are his ambitions? What are his hopes? What are his, what's his drive? What does he do? You should be asking yourself, what does this verse mean? Because it's the devil and his purpose is to destroy us. Because we're the creation of God, made in the image and likeness of God himself. And he wants to destroy us. And we teamed up with him through a woman. He thought the woman was his friend. Till verse 15. Just hold on. Oh, yes. We thank the Lord for your childbearing women. But we thank the Lord for a childbearing that took place 2,000 years ago the most. Self-righteous hypocrisy and the origin of it. I want you to think about the difference between chapter 2 and chapter 4. Chapter 2, good and very good. And the man and his wife were naked. And they were doting on each other every day and naming the animals and frolicking in the Garden of Eden to chapter 4, Cain killing his brother Abel and then whining about it that he wasn't... He wasn't worthy of the punishment that God had promised him. On and on it goes in chapter 4. What's the difference between 2 and 4? Chapter 3. Don't race through the Bible, folks. If you want to read the whole Bible in a year, all 1,189 chapters, I commend you. If you want to read it in the morning and read it in the evening so that you read it twice through in a year, I commend you twice. But I have chosen it by design in 62 years of experience, myself and others, I want you to slow down so you think about these verses. I want you to think about what changed between Genesis 2 and Genesis 4. Something catastrophic happened. And it wasn't the Titanic sinking. The Titanic sinking was the most minuscule symptom of the catastrophe that happened. Do you know why the Titanic sunk? Do you understand why? Genesis 3. The Titanic would not have sunk. Icebergs would have come up and kissed the Titanic if Genesis 3 wasn't true. There wasn't any violence in the earth. There wasn't any death in the earth. We couldn't die. We could eat the fruit of the tree of life for morning, 
for breakfast, lunch, and supper. It was a tree that we could freely eat of. Hurry up, Jonathan. Oh. Okay, I've only covered five. Where did self-righteous hypocrisy come from? We don't need forgiveness. We don't need repentance. We'll take a few fig leaves and make ourselves some little aprons. Then we'll hide in the trees. God won't be able to see that we're naked. Where did that come from? Oh, don't, don't think for a second that you're different. If you want to come and have a little chat with me, it may take me five or ten minutes to get to the bottom of your problem, but we'll find out that you're just like Adam and Eve. And you'll have met someone else just like Adam and Eve, the one getting to the bottom of it with you. Loss of will to love God. Loss of a desire to love God. Loss of easy living in Eden. We had paradise. We lost easy living in Eden. Loss of easy reproduction. You poor women, they call them labor pains. They call them labor pangs. It's hard work. It's sorrow. There's pain. There's fear. There's doubt. There's body wrecking that goes on. Body tearing, stretching, marks, scars, tears, episiotomies. All kinds of junk happen. Why? Genesis 3. They just popped out before Genesis 3. They just crawled out and said, hi, mom. It was terribly aggravated because of Genesis 3. I thank God for a wife that thinks with me, and I thank God for a father that made me read this stuff when I couldn't read. To know these things. I went to a certain home last Sunday night to have supper. And I came out of there messed up. Because the next day was my anniversary. But all it meant was, I'm older, and I'm going to be there next week. And I'm going to be gumming my jello down. Because of Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Living by sight, not by faith. Where did it come from? Genesis 3. She looked at the tree and it looked good for food. It looked good to her eyes. i got to hurry up. Conspiracy to defraud God. Some of these I'm not going to explain. I would. Conspiracy to defraud God. Hatred and murder of anyone that gets in your way. Marital bitterness. Where did marital bitterness come from? Genesis 3. Did you hear them blaming each other? Earth corrupted with death. So there's death everywhere. Everything dies. Roses die. Kitty cats. Everything dies. Slavish fear of God only. Slavish fear. Not the fear of the Lord that the Bible teaches, but the bad fear that makes you run away from God to hide in the garden rather than running to God to confess your sins and repent. It's a totally different kind of fear. One that the devil has and one only the righteous have. I'm talking about the slavish fear of God, being a slave of God in a bad sense. The coining of the idea, the devil made me do it. Male grief of survival fear. Male grief of how hard he's got to work to survive and to help his family survive. And how things could go wrong on his job and leave him in trouble. Male 
grief of survival fear. Passing on evil to all children. We have children. We pass on the nature of Adam and Eve. We pass on our nature to them. So we corrupt future generations. The whole history of humanity, whether it's 50 billion or 80 billion souls, are corrupt. Imagination is always evil. Always thinking the negative, critical, biased, polluted, perverted, corrupt thoughts. There's nothing even to slow death. Cannot slow it. We understand by Jewish scribes that Psalm 90, that says human longevity is approximately 73 years, was written in 1500 B.C. It hasn't changed. It doesn't matter what nutrition, it doesn't matter what you eat, it doesn't matter where you go to work out. You're going to die on schedule at 73. You say, but your father's 88. Do you want me to list the people that have died under him so that the average is 73? Or would you like me to be polite? It's still 73. Lies corrupting God's truth are now in the earth. The blame game is initiated. She made me do it. In fact, you gave her to me. So you're to, you're to blame. No repentance. Not ever. There is no repentance in Genesis chapter 3. No repentance. How many times do we deal with people, preach to people, see people, and they don't repent? Resentment for getting caught. Not resentment for their evil. Not resentment for giving into the devil. But resentment for getting caught. Heresy of hiding from God, thinking that you can do so. Guilt. Guilt before God's laws. They instantly knew that they were naked. And the shame was not so much between each other as it was shame to God. Because they put fig leaves on, and then they went into the trees to hide their nakedness from God. Adam said, I was naked, and I was afraid, not of Eve, of God. Guilt before God's laws. Selfish. Self-justification. Self-love over spousal love. Living by flesh, not by faith. Cover or hide, but never repent. No responsibility for others. Loss of honor for women. You women were made to be a help, meet for Adam. After Genesis 3, and your catastrophic decision to believe the devil, it's a loss of honor for you. So instead of being a queen, you're just a supervisor. Because he's going to rule over you. As verse 16 of Genesis 3 teaches, the whole creation groans under the bondage and burden of sin. That's what Romans 8 tells us. God's pursuit is resented. We love God pursuing us. We want God to pursue us. But it was resented in the Garden of Eden. Morning sickness and nausea. Bring back fond memories, anyone? You know, a cracker or two might help. This medicine might help. Where did that come from? Where did morning sickness and nausea come from but Genesis 3? Farm dirt. Free trees were limited. You had to go to get your living. You had to get your bread out of the ground. Your food used to plop off tree limbs. And you could just walk around and eat. Now you've got to dig it out of the ground. I'm not saying anything negative about farming. It was harder work. 
than walking around eating off of trees. And God describes it that way in Genesis 3. Man comes short of the glory of God. He's, in, he's separated now, and there's a chasm between God and man. Death, rust, and thieves destroy things. Lies are perverted over truth. We inherit lust for all evil. Marriage joy is corrupted. Sexual pleasure was altered. Paradise was lost and corrupted. Production means were cursed. Blood had to be shed to cover guilt. We inherited total depravity. Questioning of God's word becomes the norm. Men live by pride, not faith. There's pain in pregnancy and birth. Whining about punishment. Hard, painful work to stay alive. Inventions like polygamy. Symptoms trump causes. Fussing about the symptoms of sin and the consequences of sin rather than the cause of sin, which is our choice, for which we are guilty. Wife loses marital privilege. Sweaty labor to survive. Eternal life eliminated. Vile hatred of good men. Death to escape life torture. Life can get so bad that death is an escape because dysfunction can be worse than the pain or thought of the pain of death. The imagination turns against God, has been turned against God. Deaths guaranteed to all. Infant deaths of all kinds. Why do babies die? Why do babies die? Because of Genesis 3 and Romans 5 that tells us about Genesis 3. Strength and beauty turns to dust. Vivacious, energetic, young girls. Fit. Healthy, attractive, turned to dust. Same with men. No hope for eternal life. There's a flaming sword then, and we have no hope. We're condemned. Slanderous views of God, making him evil, making him cruel, making him vicious. When it's our fault, all this came on us. The will to corrupt Scripture. We're questioned about Scripture, and we're willing to go along with the corruption of it. Open to profane fantasies like Eve was, about becoming like God. Marital selfishness, clothes, and their variation as ours being not good enough for the Lord because his ideas of modesty are different than our ideas of modesty. Future of death and death. You think physical death is bad? The death that comes after physical death is far worse. I mentioned carnivore violence starts. God's presence is a fearful thing instead of a desirable thing. Blame God for gifts abused. We abuse, God gives us a gift. God gave Adam the gift of a woman. God blamed God, I mean, Adam blamed God for abusing that gift, not ruling over her, not leading her, but taking the fruit from her. But he blamed God for giving him a gift. Sexes corrupt each other. Isn't that true? Constant move towards dust, driven from God and life, is our state in this world. Nothing works like it should, and the lake of fire for eternal pain. From one chapter. Now, when you read those verses, have you asked God to show you something out of his word? 
or are you just reading them to say that you read the Bible? If you'll slow down and read those verses, Lord, I am sorry that the previous hundred times I've read Genesis 3 or a thousand times, I didn't see what you showed me this past week. He overwhelmed me. We, she couldn't sleep at night because I was laying in bed just listening these things that are the consequence of Genesis chapter 3. Do you read? You don't have to take an hour. Just read through it and say, what is this really here for? What is the real effect of Genesis 3? It is catastrophic horror. It's corruption and condemnation in the most ultimate extreme senses that you can possibly think about. It's time for the Lord's Supper. Almost. Because it's time for Genesis 3.15. Satan thought that the woman was his friend. God had a different word for him. And the word is found in Genesis 3.15. The devil, Lucifer, had taken possession of the serpent. What the serpent was like before the fall, we don't know. But he was impressive. The devil wouldn't have choo chosen a worm, but he was changed. However, he got around, whether walking on legs, flying through the air like a drone, we don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. It was all taken away so that he had to slither around. But that's not very important. That's in verse 14. I mean, it's important enough to be in the Bible. And so whenever you see a snake slithering around without legs, having to eat dust every day of its life, smile. I know the Bible's true. I know how that happened. And it didn't happen by evolution. It happened like that, because God said, and then cut its head off. Verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman. God is speaking to the devil in a serpent. I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, if you want to take 10% of that and apply it to the fact that most women don't like snakes, okay, I'll give you 10%. But the 90% is speaking to the one animating that snake and that, that serpent, and that is the devil himself. And God is speaking to that devil, this woman, that you thought you could take advantage of and was your friend and helped you in this catastrophe of condemning my creatures under my law because you know that you knew that I had said, thou shalt not eat thereof. If you think she's your friend, I'm making her your enemy because out of her, without the help of Adam, because you went after her without Adam and you got her to do something that she then got Adam to do something, I'm going to use her without Adam to destroy you. This is my God. This is the drama of Genesis 3. Genesis 3.15 should thrill you. God cursed the devil by promising that his former girlfriend would be his enemy. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Today is Communion Sunday, and we're going to celebrate the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God said unto the serpent, 
I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It is a neuter pronoun in English, but his is not a neuter, neuter pronoun in English. It is a masculine pronoun, so we know that the it, there in that third section of verse 15, is the male son of the woman. I'll put enmity. God cursed the devil by promising that his former girlfriend would be his enemy. God cursed the devil by promising a son by birth of the woman to be his enemy. It would not only be the woman who's going to be the source of that son without the help of man. It was a virgin birth that brought the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. These are not the rave rantings of some lunatic sitting in a monastery. This is the written revelation of Almighty God. I am simply his ass that loves to bray on his behalf. And I love every word of this book. And I see in Genesis 3 catastrophic corruption and condemnation of our race. But I know that it is a drama designed from eternity for the display of his goodness and glory. Because that flaming sword could have kept away of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that Adam and Eve couldn't have touched it. That flaming sword could have kept the Garden of Eden so that Satan couldn't have got into the garden. I know that my God planned sin. And I know that my God, when he planned sin, planned that he was going to save me by the death of his son that would come through the curse, conception, and delivery of a woman. And it's all, I believe every bit of what I just said to you and all and everything else that I would say if you gave me enough time. If I gave myself enough time. God cursed the devil by promising a son by birth of the woman to destroy him. God cursed the devil by promising he would only be able to bruise the son's heel. The devil would only be able to bruise Jesus Christ's heel. He just gave him a little bit of trouble. He had a sore heel for a few hours. But he destroyed that devil with a fatal wound to his head. Genesis 3.15, when you read your Bibles this year, brethren, the catastrophe, the catastrophe that has struck our race. Relationships don't work. All these different religions, where do they come from? Well, the God of heaven said, thou shalt surely die. The instant the originator of all other religions said, thou shalt not surely die. Where do all the Bible versions come from? Why all the questions about whether we have the Bible is God's word or not? It comes from the devil. That's all religious problems in the world are enormous, and they come from Genesis 3. The relationship problems come from Genesis chapter 3. The husbands and wives being bitter against each other, blaming each other. And on and on we could go, and I already went on and on with my list, but I want you to think about the catastrophe, and it's got its chains around you, and we are all going down in this catastrophe. You, are, you were born dead in trespasses and sins. You will die. You will die physically, and you will be sent to the lake of fire for the second death if God doesn't save you by his son, Jesus Christ. But we have Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3 is a chapter of true world history that's unavailable anywhere else. Thank God for it, and thank God for that middle verse at 15. To appreciate this chapter, my sermon, you've got to see the incredible catastrophe that's got a hold of you. Do you know how much better your relationship with your wife could be or with your husband could be? 
if it wasn't for Genesis 3? Do you know how strong you'd be if it wasn't for Genesis 3? Do you know that you could retire on the job if it wasn't for Genesis 3? Because all you had to do was dress the garden and keep it. Good tree. All the animals were friendly. Hey, I think I'll name the animals today. Hey, lion, come here and lick my knee. On and on it went. All ruined. All corrupt. We think we're clothed. We open God's word. Nope, not clothed enough yet. Put a few more clothes on while the world takes them off. Why is there this conflict about clothing? Genesis 3. Right. They had their sinful ideas. Well, a little apron, just covering the genitals should be enough. And the Lord gave them coats. He didn't give them, I don't, I don't find the word blouse. I don't find the word elastic jeans or whatever you, whatever the girls call them. Nope, I find coats. Coats cover up. Everything was messed up. But look at Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Satan, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. The woman is a collective noun referring to women. A woman's going to come along that's going to destroy you by her seed. And between thy seed and her seed, thy seed are all your children that are going to conspire against him. But her seed is going to conspire against you and your seed and destroy them. He shall bruise thy head. I change the it to he because of the last, the second to the last word in the verse. And thou shalt bruise his heel. This is Genesis 3. This is the Lord's Supper. This is time for us to celebrate Jesus Christ. I am doing all that. Amen. The closer we walk to the Lord Jesus Christ and feed on his word, and have his blessings, we restore to a great deal our relationships, our religion, and the function of life and children. And we can train them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's so many good things that flow from the cross that we spent many sermons dealing with from the Gospel of John that we don't want to miss. Okay, let me close with 1 Timothy 2. Will you, will you please flip over to 1 Timothy 2? I am not going to take long to explain it, though it is an obscure verse to most who just get confused with wanting to be literal instead of seeing a spiritual significance in a verse. 1 Timothy 2. I'm going to start at verse 9. Paul is putting women in their place. Paul to Timothy, for Timothy in the churches to keep women in their place. And it was a degraded place because of what they, their order of creation, we're going to get to that in a second, and what they did in Eden. But they have their own verse 15. Let me start at verse 9. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Do you think that's an apron or a coat? With shamefacedness and sobriety, women ought to be shamefaced for what they did and for their position in life. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. That is not the emphasis of a woman. But which becometh, which means to be attractive, 
which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So in verses 9 and 10, Paul tells Timothy, make sure that you teach that women should be shamefaced, always dressed modestly, and adorn themselves with good works, not their bodies, not their looks. So he's putting women in their proper place. Verse 11, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. I do not want her talking, teaching, or asking questions in public assemblies. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So Paul's putting the woman down as far as public speaking in his churches. She can learn in silence. If she has questions, she can ask her husband at home, as 1 Corinthians 14 puts it. I don't allow a woman to teach or to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Verses 13 and 14. For Adam was first formed. It's a man's world. Then Eve. And Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. From this chapter... And for its purpose, the emphasis is on the woman failing in Eden by believing the devil. Adam didn't believe the devil. Adam knew that his wife had eaten the fruit, and if he was to keep her and be with her, he had to sin along with her, so he made a choice of rebellion of her over God. Now, when we're in Romans 5 about the imputation of the guilt of Adam's sin, it's all about the man. When we're here, it's all about the woman because of how she should adorn herself how she should look on her face, how she should behave herself, how she should be quiet in assemblies. And so that, that's his path that he's taking here, different from Romans 5. Now the woman is in a mess. In verses 9 through 14. Notwithstanding. Oh, yes. Come on, women, smile. Notwithstanding. I'm going to put enmity, God said to Satan, I'm going to put enmity between, between thee and the woman. The woman's going to be your downfall. Notwithstanding, she, that is women, under a collective noun, that are described in verses 9 through 14, their secondary role in creation and their failure in Eden. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Women, though under such judgment and put down into their proper place, will be saved in the act of childbearing by Mary giving birth to the seed of the woman. And these are elect women by the evidence that is in their lives if they continue, just like other verses in the New Testament, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. My sisters in this church, if you continue to live a faithful life, a life with charity toward others, a holy life, and you do it soberly, there was an act of childbearing in history 2,000 years ago that saves you in spite of the negative things Paul brought up about your order in creation and about what you did when the devil presented his lies to you. Wonderful! Amen. So that, can we men go home and despise our wives? Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, but as being heirs together of the grace of life. Amen. Because we're both saved by a woman giving birth 
through the cursed vehicle from Genesis chapter 3 to bring Jesus Christ into this world. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Let's sing a song and let's celebrate the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. Amen.